Welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Nearly every Sunday night when I was growing up, we would watch a religious program on television. It wasn't a requirement for living in the house, but my parents liked to watch one or two of these religious episodes, these church services basically that would come on on Sunday night, and occasionally I would lay on the couch and I would watch one with them. And almost every week, without exception, the preacher would eventually work himself into a sweaty lather and passionately plead with the audience to give their lives to a loving God or suffer unimaginable punishment for all of eternity. So I gave my life to God again and again and again. I asked Jesus into my heart. I think when I stopped counting, I was about 78 times. Jesus, come into my life, come into my life, come into my life. And I kept asking just to be safe. I kept asking just to be sure. And mostly, I kept asking to reset my commitment from the previous Sunday that was pretty much shattered by Tuesday morning. For a long time then, when I would hear the word gospel or the phrase, share the gospel, or the phrase, proclaim the gospel, an image would come to my mind similar to what I just described. It just wasn't for me. It just did not do much for me. I knew it was all part of this Christian deal that we've signed up for, but gospel, proclaim the gospel, share the gospel, landed on me as, oh boy, I guess, if I have to. I imagine I'm not alone. But Paul's words, inspired, uh, inspired words in 2 Corinthians 5, what we read just a moment ago, paint a far more beautiful picture of what the gospel is and what it means for you and I to proclaim it. This is week three of our Eastertide series. Eastertide being this season in the church calendar that starts at Easter and goes until Pentecost. We're in Eastertide right now, and we have been talking about the practices, or maybe the better word is the exercises we engage in together to become a local church that breathes life into each other and into the world. So maybe think of it this way. In this series, we are outlining a communal workout plan for Oak Hills Church. So we become... A community of resurrection, to use the words of Bishop Rowan Williams. And I love those words. A community of resurrection. That's a beautiful vision. A local church where resurrection life and resurrection power are displayed through our interactions and through our relationships. I absolutely love that picture. A community of resurrection. We'll come back to that later. So today we're talking about the practice or the exercise of proclaiming the gospel to each other and to the world. And again, just to be candid with you, that sounds really boring to me. I realize how many of us are resistant to the whole idea of sharing the gospel with each other or with our neighbors or with our friends or with our coworkers. Many, many Christians resist the idea of doing this and rarely, if ever, do it. The TV image of a sweaty man stomping around a stage and screaming about the love of God 
is hard to overcome. But the gospel, I would suggest to you, is much bigger and far more beautiful than the stereotypes that may be tattooed in our memory. So take out this yellow card that you got when you came in. We're trying to find ways to make these things not intellectual exercises or brain activities as much as experiences, heart activities, things that engage us. So I'm going to read what's on this card. Jesus, we know that you are right here with us and that you reign in heaven. We declare that your kingdom come and your will be done in blank. May it reflect the reality of your reign and the hope of your resurrection in our world. Father, display your goodness by doing blank in this situation. Holy Spirit, make the power of your presence known to us through this. As you work, amen. I would suggest to you, what's on that yellow card is gospel. It is good news. So be thinking about this. Keep this close at hand. We'll come back to it more than once. And in particular, be thinking about what you would put in these various blanks as it relates to you and your life, or perhaps as it relates to what you're seeing happen in the world. And would want to bring this to God. Let's talk about God's good news. From our reading that we read in 2 Corinthians 5, starting again in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is dense, and we could spend weeks exploring it, but the gospel project, as we might call it, new creation reconciliation, wiping away the stain of sin, the death of the old and even the death of death begins, as Paul tells us, with God and belongs to God and is being worked out in his time and in his way and by his power. The gospel is a story then with cosmic significance and cosmic implications. God is, according to Paul, right now, reconciling the world to himself in Christ. I mean, that's big. That's quite a deal. And that encompasses far more than the typical scope of the gospel. When I was growing up and deep into my Christian life, the word gospel did not reach as far as Paul seems to be reaching. Paul seems to try to capture the gospel's magnitude with the word reconciliation. It's a beautiful word. It means changed relationship. Verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Jesus, in other words, 
changes the relationship between God and people. And if we walk out into the other verses and passages that relate to this, not just between God and people, he changes the relationship between people and people. This is what God does. This is God's mission. This is the heart of the gospel, and it is good news for the entire cosmos. Because of this, enemies can become friends. Those who are walled off from each other can come closer to each other. Those who are divided for whatever reason, because of the power of the gospel, the reconciling power of the gospel through Christ, those who are divided can move toward being united. Other language, lions can lay with lambs because of this good news. Dry deserts can burst with color and with new life because of this good news. Those who are sick can move toward health. Those whose bodies are racked with pain and suffering can be healed. Those who are imprisoned by insecurities or by sin can be liberated. Whatever divides is obliterated, and so what used to be two can become one. The old, Paul says, is gone. The new, Paul says, is here. This is God's good news to the entire universe. And the whole project starts with God. This is what he's doing in the world right now as we speak through Jesus Christ. So here's what Paul's doing. Paul is inviting you, he's inviting me, he's inviting these Corinthians to wake up to this reality. Not wake up to religion, not wake up to a compartmentalized slot in which to put our faith, not wake up to some short-term good works project, but wake up to the reality that God is right now at work reconciling all to himself through Christ, in the language of Colossians, things on earth are being reconciled. In the words of Colossians, things in heaven are being reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. All of history then is moving toward new creation by the powerful hand of God who is slowly nudging it along. Again, I simply say, it's a big deal. The coming of Jesus, his teaching, his example, his death, and most especially Jesus' resurrection puts God and his agenda at the center of the cosmos, rightfully at the center of the cosmos. And all over the pages of the Bible, including in today's passage, we see that God's agenda is, the rec- is to reconcile the world to himself through Christ. Reconcile. Heal, restore, renew the heart of God's mission. That's what God is up to. Dave Fitch says simply, the gospel means, and here I quote, a new world is now possible in Christ by his spirit. That's so beautiful because it's so simple. You know, you can take that anywhere and apply it to anything. A new world is is now possible in Christ through his spirit. This good news awakens hope because it has implications in the minute details of our lives. It has 
implications in the fractured relationships of our lives. It has implications for the war in Ukraine. It has implications for you name it. A new world is possible in Christ by his spirit. God is right now in the process of eradicating the old and bringing forth the new. This is what God does. This is what God is doing at the present moment. He is bringing resurrection life into the nooks and crannies of this universe where currently there is death. Now, sounds pretty good. But really? I mean, look around. Really? We are really starting to sound, or more personally, I am really starting to sound like I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, really? Look around. This is actually happening? How? Point to what to suggest this is actually going on? If it's true, what's going on in Ukraine? How about world hunger? How about child abuse? How about domestic violence? How about racism? How about abortion? How about road rage? How about gender confusion? How about sexual identity chaos? Where's God in all the mess? Is he really bringing forth something new? Uh, if he is, he moves rather slow. And sometimes he's moving so slow, it looks like he's not moving. Where is his good news for the one who is falling apart, literally, because they're losing their family? How do you offer good news to a person who's right there, the marriage is over, the relationship is over, the kids are split in every direction. What's the good news for that person who's hanging on by a thread to that cliff? How's God at work in such a mess? I would suggest to you these are gospel questions. Because according to the Bible, according to what the Apostle Paul is saying here, wherever there is brokenness or division or fracture or pain, a new world is now possible by Christ, in Christ by his spirit. It's going to emerge slowly. We know that painfully, slowly. No divine finger snap to make it happen Quickly, no wave of a divine magic wand to bring it into being right now. But this is where God is moving human history. This is what I want us to get. This is where God is moving human history. He's moving it toward flourishing, inch by inch. He's moving it toward reconciled, inch by inch. He's moving it toward new creation inch by inch. And you are correct if you are thinking not everybody goes along for the ride because they don't. God doesn't overpower those who say, I don't actually want that. So anybody who wants it, anything that wants it, will get caught up through Christ by his spirit in a movement toward flourishing. So I'll ask you this question. Where do you see hopeless today? Where do you see it? Maybe more specifically, where does your body ache today? Are you lonely? Who do you know that's in a relationship that's falling apart? How is insecurity keeping you from living free? Where does sin have its hooks and barbs in you? Are you afraid as you sit here today? 
Are you depressed? Maybe a depression no one knows about. But deep down inside, somewhere where you don't let people in, you feel depressed, discouraged. Where do you see violence in your life in the world? How do you perpetuate violence? Is there something from your past that continues to haunt you in the present? Or maybe just this. When you look at the world, what do you see that breaks your heart? See, the gospel means good news in these situations and circumstances. Jesus is with us. He is at work, believe it or not, to bring forth something new. But first, we have to lament this bad news. I went to Starbucks yesterday to get a cup of coffee before coming to the church, but the drive through was closed. What a tragedy for me. <laughs> what a hardship to endure. So I got McDonald's coffee instead. Yeah, that was a tragedy too <laughs> in another sort of way. As I was pulling away from this McDonald's, a young man was pacing back and forth out in front of the McDonald's, frantically talking to himself, occasionally looking up and yelling at the sky. And as I saw him as I was driving away, probably because I was thinking about this, I felt the brokenness of this world. I'm not at all suggesting this young man is any more broken than you or me. I feel the same brokenness when I make yet another selfish choice or when I bow once again to the idol of my own comfort. The point is, brokenness is ingrained in this world. It's in me. It's in you. I am not the way God intended me to be. That young man is not the way God intended him to be. And this world is not the way God intended it to be. And the gospel, I would suggest to you, the good news, God's good news, will never be very impressive to us until we lament the brokenness in ourselves and in the church and in the world. That is, we see the brokenness. We feel it in our souls. We name it. We own our part of it. And we grieve it by crying out to God about it. I'm sure this is an exaggeration. This is an exaggeration. But without lament, the gospel has little chance of being any more important to us than our favorite color. We need lament. Proclaiming the good news then begins by lamenting the bad news. You see the connection. To proclaim good news, to feel compelled to proclaim good news, to be motivated to proclaim good news, almost requires us to first lament the bad news. Things are not the way they are supposed to be. And hope is born in lament because lament drives us to God. Lament drives us to the creator of the new. Lament drives us to the one who makes a new world possible in Christ by his spirit. In the book, Reconciling All Things, the authors write this, and you can see this up on the screen. They write, lament is not despair. It is not whining. It is not a cry into a void. 
Lament is a cry, a cry directed to God. It is the cry of those who see the truth of the world's deepest wounds and the cost of seeking peace. It is the prayer of those who are deeply disturbed by the way things are. The journey of reconciliation is grounded in the practice of lament. So I'm going to take a little gamble with you right now and ask you to bow your heads. And we're going to pray for just a moment and just kind of let this go. You wonder what lament is or a lamenting prayer? We could really make this simple and say a lamenting prayer is a prayer to God about things we're disturbed by. So let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are here today as people who are seeking after you, and we are disturbed by the war in Ukraine. It bothers us. It grieves us. People displaced. Homes blown to pieces. Lives lost. This grieves us, and it grieves us especially because we believe you are reigning over all things. But when we look at this war in Ukraine, it doesn't seem like your reign is all too great. What is going on? This disturbs us. Refresh our confidence in you. We are disturbed by anger and violence that is so quickly becoming the normal way people respond when they don't get what they want. Road rage, where lives are lost. Domestic violence, where women are killed. What is going on? Political contention where grown adults yell at each other and call each other names because they disagree. Grown adults who have seized the forum of social media to scream and yell and pick and poke at each other. God, what is going on? This disturbs us. And we are disturbed by our own contribution to anger and violence the way we react when we don't get what we want, the way we rise up in anger at those we love. We're disturbed by this. We lament these things. We cry out to you. We seek you because we cannot deal with this without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's talk about proclaiming good news to ourselves. When I was growing up and well into my Christian experience as an adult, the gospel was really just information about God and about sin and about salvation and how to get all that handled before I died so I didn't suffer unimaginably like that sweaty dude on TV said I was going to. But that limited version of the gospel did not really have much to say to things like a war in Ukraine or division in our country or a conflict I might be having with Julie or the shame 
that sometimes hovers over my inner world. That gospel, however much it included some things that were true, that gospel did not speak to those things. It wasn't big enough to encircle and encompass and transform those things. And while the gospel certainly addresses the problem of sin, absolutely, and it offers hope for life after death, absolutely, the good news Jesus and here Paul proclaimed offers hope for life before death. It offers new creation instead of old. It offers reconciliation instead of relational fracture. It offers resurrection life wherever there is the scent of death. Verses 19 and 20, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Paul is trying to establish himself in the minds of those reading this letter for the first time, saying, God has committed to us, me, Paul, and those who are with me, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God himself were making this appeal, spreading this news through us. But there's no doubt throughout the rest of Scripture, even here, the implication is this us is you, if you are one of his followers. And it's me. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It's an extraordinary teaching. An ambassador lives in a country that is not their own and seeks to influence, influence the politics and issues of that country by representing the interests of their own country. That's what an ambassador does. So here's a question for you. What's your country? Where are you from? See, every Christ follower is an ambassador of God's new world, now possible in Christ by his spirit. Or let me say it a little differently. For every Christ follower, our country is new creation. So we engage the world. We go to work. We go to school. We relate to our friends. We deal with our political systems. We engage the issues of our time by representing God's new creation interests. As we live in this old world then, we proclaim that a new world is now possible in Christ by his spirit. That's what it means to proclaim the gospel. And in my experience, both watching it in people and experiencing it myself, we need to proclaim this good news first to ourselves. Because while we say we believe it, we often live as though we don't. We often live as though the gospel is an idea, but not an encounter. We live as though the gospel is about information we've acquired, not about transformation we are experiencing. And yet the good news about God's new world wants to reshape our character, wants to change our thoughts, wants to alter our choices, wants to heal relationships. It wants to change us in tangible 
in concrete ways. So after a matter of time, remember the work is slow, but after a matter of time, people will say, what's happened to you? You used to be this way, but now you're not. What happened? Where did that come from? What did you do? What's the name of the seminar? What's the name of the program? See, this good news is good news that matters and makes a difference in the practical areas of our lives. We need to proclaim it to ourselves. We need to aim it right at our shame. We need to aim it at the condemnation committee who lives in many of our heads. Therefore, since I am in Christ, the old has gone. The new is here. you imagine what that does to a person who can't pry themselves loose from the old? Therefore, since I am in Christ, the old has gone, the new is here. It's not a slogan. It's not a punchline. It's not a catchphrase. It's coming from one who claimed to be inspired by God himself. So it's either true or we're all in big trouble. So we might as well believe it to be true and act accordingly. Since I am in Christ, the old is gone, the new is here. God made him who had no sin to be sin for me, so that in him I might become the righteousness of God, proclaiming the gospel to ourselves. Good news that makes a difference. We also need to proclaim good news to each other. Our prayer pod started a couple of weeks ago. You may be in one. I'm in one with two other people. We've prayed a couple times now on Wednesday morning. We've prayed for peace in Ukraine. We've prayed that God would change the heart of Vladimir Putin. One of the people in our prayer pod felt like that was an individual that they wanted us to pray for. So we have prayed two weeks that God would change the heart of Vladimir Putin. We've prayed that the Russian army would lay down their arms and walk away. We have prayed that peace would come and it's good. We're praying for this. But I was thinking about our prayer pot experience after this past Wednesday, and I realized it dawned on me, I, Mike, am occasionally like Vladimir Putin. Because sometimes I'm the aggressor. Sometimes in my life, I'm on the attack. Sometimes I'm trying to take that which does not belong to me. Sometimes I'm pushing my agenda without regard for who's impacted by my pushing. So I can pray for him all day long, and I should. But I need people in my life who are reminding and challenging me to walk the road I'm praying Putin would walk. I need people, in other words, proclaiming the gospel to me. So I am saved from the old and keep living in the new. You see this? We breathe life into each other by proclaiming good news to each other. A new world is now possible in Christ by His Spirit. Mike, a new world is possible. You don't have to attack like that. So whatever problem or challenge or issue we are facing, that's where we proclaim good news to each other. We remind each other in the real situations of our lives. Hey, remember, Jesus is king over that. He is king over your failing marriage. 
He's king over your sore body. He's king over your loneliness. He's king over that area of sin. He's king over your cancer. On and on we can go. Does that mean it's going to get fixed? Maybe. Maybe not. So what does it mean? It means Jesus is at work in your circumstances to restore and renew and heal the pain and brokenness. That's what it means. Not with the snap of a divine finger, the wave of a divine wand, but slowly he is at work. Often painfully slow, as we all know. But he's moving the entire cosmos toward flourishing and goodness and wholeness. And if you are in Christ, then you are caught in this current. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of this. And you know who reminds me of this? You. And I need that. It's not that we get together for a beer and sit down and go, okay, my sermon to you today is this. We don't proclaim it that way. It's that we remind each other of the new reality in Christ. Literally. Remember, a new world is now possible in Christ by his spirit, and that affects blank, that rearranges blank, that reshapes blank, that transforms blank. This week I interacted with two different people, unrelated to each other. Two people whose heart and journey and words and character were living witness to me of the reality and the power of the gospel to heal and change and renew, renew. And being with them reminded me a new world is indeed possible in Christ by his spirit. And I don't know about you, but I cannot live faithfully without seeing and hearing good news in others who are on the road with me. What does all this mean? It means we need to tell each other these things. Hey, he's king over blank. I know you're going through X. He's at work in the midst of X. He wants to heal. He wants to renew. He wants to restore blank. Can you see this? Can you imagine it? I know you're under the pile here, but can you imagine this? Do you want this? And lastly, we need to proclaim this good news to the world. Now, this is where many of us want to curl up in a corner, suck our thumb, and go, I don't want anything to do with this. Proclaim good news to the world is a fancy way of saying evangelize. And evangelism is just not our thing. The whole word feels like we just went to a car lot and drove up and here the guy comes because he's next in line and we're the thing he's going after. Selling God. I just want to say this. We need to abandon all those cringy images and stereotypes because they're not the essence of what it means to proclaim good news. The best way to proclaim God's good news to the world is for us to keep growing into a community of resurrection. The best way to proclaim good news to the entire world is for us to keep growing into a community of resurrection, a community where resurrection life is displayed. The qualities and characteristics we read about in these Bibles yearn for in our souls and pray to be realized in our world 
are displayed in our life together and in our relationships. We, this local Oak Hills Church, we are to gesture toward new creation, toward a new world possible in Christ by His Spirit. That's what a local church exists to do. Do you get that? We exist to point to a reality beyond and do our best to live out that reality right now. That's what a local church does. So, there's a war in Ukraine. There's conflict and tension about all kinds of things in our nation. How do we proclaim good news to a world like this? Answer, we grow as a community of resurrection so people who are different and who disagree and have conflict increasingly lay down their weapons, set aside their agenda, repent of the violence of bitterness and judgment and discord, sit down at a table, listen hard, speak truth, and do the very slow work of reconciliation. And you know what that does? That gestures toward a new way of dealing with conflict. It points to a world beyond this world, And we're making that new world real by displaying it in our church. Another aspect of proclaiming the gospel to the world is to listen to the world. And then listen some more. And then listen some more. Verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I think of the implications of that as you think of people in your life who want nothing to do with God. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What's he saying? He's saying we don't look at others and think we know the whole story of what is happening because God is at work. And we listen to find out what the other is thinking or feeling or struggling with. And as that space is created through listening, maybe we take a risk someday and offer To pray for them. Prayer is a powerful proclamation of good news to a hurting world. People who are against prayer in particular situations are rarely against it in their own situation. And offering to pray for someone right there on the spot is a marvelous way to proclaim God's good news to them. I have a friend I've known for about 18 years. She and I have had many, many conversations about life, about kids, about pain from the past. I've asked questions. I've listened. I've shared some of my experiences. At times, I've taken a risk, just encouraged her to look for God in her circumstances, just encouraged her or asked her, so do you have any kind of Connection with God. Have you ever had any sort of hunger for God or faith in God? The answer is always no. Never had it, still don't have it. Doesn't have faith, nothing compels her to want any. But here's what I'll tell you there's more going on. God is present, she is his beloved. God cares about her more than I do. My job is not to close a sale, but to be present to her, to what God's up to, 
And, as you know, and I do too, it's slow work. It can't be rushed. It's ultimately God's work. So it doesn't need to be rushed. I'd like you to take that yellow card out as we wrap this up. This is one way to articulate the gospel. What it says is one attempt to proclaim gospel. So I'm going to give you a minute just as I'm continuing to blab on to take a pen or whatever, kind of see this card as a way for you to proclaim good news right now, right here. Something for you, something for someone you know, something for your community, your family, maybe something for the world. Jesus, we know that you are right here with us and that you reign in heaven. We declare your, that your kingdom come and your will be done in. Write something in there if there's something on your heart. Where the kingdom could come and God's will be done. Proclaim the kingdom to come in blank situation. May it reflect the reality of your reign and the hope of your resurrection in our world. Father, display your goodness by doing what in this situation? And Holy Spirit, make the power of your presence known to us through this as you work. Here's my suggestion, that if you didn't have a chance to scribble something in there now, you think about that. And the other thing I'd like to ask you to do, and this is a little bit gutsy, but I'd like to ask you to share what you wrote with somebody that's close to you. Just, hey, this is what's on my heart. This is where I want the kingdom to come in my particular circumstances or in the world. And share that with someone as a way of kind of proclaiming the gospel to them. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this big deal that you've invited us to be a part of. We are grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and for his resurrection and the way in which he has proven he belongs at the center of the cosmos. Help us to be people who live in the goodness and fullness of this good news that a new world is now possible in Christ by the Spirit. A new world can come to us in our thoughts, in our bodies, in our attitudes, in our perspectives. So I continue to pray as we embark on this journey together and seek to be a community of resurrection. I continue to pray that there will be things happening in our lives, in our church, that will gesture toward new creation, hope, reconciliation, the new replacing the old, that we'll see it and we'll be able to revel in it as you do your work. And we pray these things in Christ's name.